My name is Zakir, and you are listening to the Living Legacy Podcast. I am a brand cultivating strategist, a cancer survivor, and a camera saved my life. In this podcast, we'll be sharing stories of the very connection that I have as a professional photographer, featuring women that I admire, and lo and behold, you never know, I may interview some of my favorite men. In this podcast, you will learn about professionalism, you'll learn about business, you'll learn about travel, even African travel, as well as how to deal with the highs and lows of life and marriage. I have traveled to 10 countries so far, and now it's my turn to teach you and inspire you to step outside of your country zone. This episode is how I met my husband. So I briefly talked about it in the very first episode. So if you haven't listened to that yet, I actually have been married this year, as of five years, on July 16th. And this episode is actually being released, if I'm not mistaken, on the anniversary date of our engagement. This episode is also the season-ending episode. Now, it's going to be a busy summer in the Denver household, and I know that we all need work sometimes. So, this uh, episode is going to end the first season of Living Legacy Podcast. And I'm so excited to be able to say that because it took me so long, two years to be that, to actually start the podcast. And so I want to thank you all so much for listening. And if you haven't listened to all the episodes, you now have 18 episodes to listen to, as well as a couple of episodes on other ladies' podcasts that I had the option to be a guest on. The first one is Sisterhood of Limitless Living with Dr. April Moreno. And the second one is Embracing Intensity with Ayura, the member. I'm going to, I know that in my intro, I talk about um, how much I travel, how, um, yeah, how much I travel. So just know that the first episode of the new season, um, which is probably going to come back in or around the fall, is going to be all about travel. So I've talked briefly about it in each episode with each interview I have, as well as the episode that was entirely about Operation Cross South Africa, but that wasn't all 10 countries, (laughs) you know, there's a lot more uh, where that came from, so, um, yeah, but when this, when this season comes back, it's going to be a lot more about travel, but hey, of course, be sure to send me an email to let me know what other topics you do want to hear me talk about, or you want me to find one to interview, have an interview with about. So you can send me an email at zakiranayar at gmail.com. You can also leave a review in Apple Podcasts, and I'll be able to see it there. Over the course of the years, I have done blog posts. So um, it may still be up there. If you go to my website, zakiranayar.com, you will see that I the first year I, I had a post talking about what I've learned in the first year of marriage, and I did it again for the second year, but then um, stuff went left. <laughs> Year three uh, and four and five, I just completely forgot. But I'm here now for year five to, um, to yeah, to, to talk about five things, you know, that I've learned since I've been married. You know, there have definitely been a lot of ups and downs and lots of changes. And there truly are seasons in a marriage, just like there are seasons in life, you know. Even though it wasn't a part of our vow, uh, there is the the part of the wedding vow. There's a reason why, you know, they say it's in sickness and in health and for better and for worse, <laughs> you know, because it can be really, really good and it can also get really, really bad. So, 
yeah, this episode is if you've always wanted to just, you know, you want to get married or you are married and, and you know, us married people, it's like a completely different community, you know, compared to, no offense to my single ladies and men, but it's a completely different community. So when other married people come together, it's like, ooh, someone else like me, someone else going through the same thing that I'm going through. One of the biggest things that I did learn is not to lose myself. I believe, now that I can think back on it, our hardest year so far was because I was not prioritizing myself. How can I adequately prioritize the marriage if I'm not prioritizing myself? If I'm putting my husband first, I'm making sure that he has his each and every need met. But what about me? You know, there's a, um, I was featured in a podcast recently. If you're able to check it out, it's called Embracing Intensity. Um, so you can go to embracingintensity.com and look for the one that features I care them. It's episode 131. But I, I realized that I said a quote on there, um, something like, you know, in order for, for me to help keep the fire burning, I have to be able to put more wood in the fire, right? So that means more self-care. That means more food, more things of what makes me, Zakira, the wife, happy. For better or for worse, it's also part of the vows, but not many people really fully think about the worst parts. You know, you think about the worst that you've been through and you think, oh, I can make it. It'll be all right. But, um, you know, there, there are so many situations on social media that people can easily comment on. And if they have not been through there, they know what their opinion is going to be. But it's so different when you go through a situation that you never imagined that you would be going through. And then you really have to, at least in my in my case, I'm more empathetic to those who do go through that situation because it's like, you know what, I'm not even going to judge you because I know what a hard decision it is, you know. Um, and I'm going to be honest, you know, there there have been plenty of times where mainly me <laughs> because I'm the one that grew up in an environment uh, where either no one got married or no one stayed married. So I was the one who would easily... And unfortunately, stayed out loud, you know, that I wanted to throw in the towel. But my husband didn't grow up in that era, didn't grow up in that type of cultural environment. So he says it, feels it, thinks it less than I do. It's really true that you only actually have three people in your marriage. You, your husband, and God. Now, yes, this may be a bit of more of a religious episode for you, but... It's true because, thank goodness, I have good in-laws who are not trying to be that fourth person. Because, yeah, I know it's very common. There's some some mother and father-in-law that are just so deeply involved because they love their child so much. Um, or even sisters and brothers-in-laws who are just so deeply involved, you know, because maybe they raised your own partner, your spouse. So they feel deeply connected more more to him or her than to you. But I mean, the thing about it though is is when the going does get tough, I will admit, because I have such great in laws, sometimes yes, I will consult with them. You know, during the hard time because they're all married. So they've also been married longer than us. So one they can talk to us from a marital perspective. But two, they do sometimes know a few more things about my husband that I don't, you know, because they did grow up with him, but I'm the one that lived with him on a daily basis. So I have to gauge it as far as how much I do consult with them on the, on the problems that we do have, because sometimes they don't even know him as well as I do. Patience is, is definitely hard. Patience is definitely important. Now, it's hard for the both of us because we are both fire signs. 
I'm a Sagittarius and he is an Aries, but we're both, um, I'm born on December 20th, he's born on March 23rd, but we're both on the cups or the verge of a new sign. So for me, I'm right there on the sign the day before the, the Capricorn, uh, you know, solstice. And he's uh, a couple of days after the Pisces solstice ended. So, for me, you know, I really thought I was a patient person. I've always been told I was a patient person by family, by friends. But once you get married, it truly is. You're seeing a reflection of yourself. Um, I literally feel like I'm, I'm married the male version of me. So, I see the younger version of me in him sometimes. So, it's like, okay, I think I'm patient or I think I'm this, I think I'm that. But then I see him do the thing that I know I did that gave my mom a headache when I was growing up. It's like, oh, okay. It required me to take a step back. Now, if you listen to my previous episode, uh, you'll hear us talk a lot about um, therapy and a lot about the immigration process and also about marriage because the therapist that was interviewed, Miss. Um, Jumi, she just talked about how she how much changes she was going through at the through the immigration phase at the same time of getting used to a new culture, new environment, as well as getting used to marriage, being married. So um, I really loved that episode. I really loved that interview. Not only because, ironically, she happens to have the same birth date as my husband, but it was a very similar situation because she's from West Africa as well. And she, too, had to learn how to adapt to a complete new environment. Um, She shared a lot of great gems. So if you listen to the previous episode, then you can learn more about the immigration process and how difficult it really is. Now, I've traveled a lot. I've, you know, been to 10 countries as of now. And I've stayed in a country 30 to 60 days at a time. So I understand how it feels to be the minority in a country where there's a language you don't fully know, there's food you're not f- fully familiar with, and the whole 90. But it's a completely different situation when someone's migrating to a new country compared to traveling to a new country. So at least I could say I was able to be empathetic in that way, but it does get difficult, you know, because there are just so many things that you never really know what's going on, especially with men. Men don't talk about things as much as women do. Men don't talk as much as women do. So that's where patience becomes more important because your patience is being tested by someone who knows your buttons, your weaknesses, your strengths, and your love languages are very different and very important. You know, you may have, may have grown up differently culturally, which is another thing for me. Even though I am an American, I have I consider myself part of many different cultures. So I'm multicultural. But it's not the same culture as the one my husband grew up in. So you literally have to, going on to the next tip that I have, you have to communicate. You know, communication can be challenging at times. Especially for us, because we are both uh, independent spirits. So we're so used to doing things on our own, fending for ourselves for so long. And at least for me, sometimes I'm like, there's no need to communicate. Um you know, I can read his body language, he can read my body language, but other times we don't really realize how important communication is to one another. Even though sometimes language barriers do get in the way, all in all, we end up both saying the same thing. It's just reworded differently, just said in a different way. Because 
English is not my husband's first language, but English was my best subject in school. So it can get uh, interesting sometimes. And then my mom, she made a joke. She was like, okay, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out how y'all going to make this work. Because there's one person who barely speaks English and then another person who's hard of hearing. So how do y'all even make this work? <laughs> so the next thing is respect. Aretha Franklin, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Everyone has a different definition of what it means to them. But for me, the most important thing about respect is letting the person be who they are. They didn't come into a marriage to be changed. Obviously, yes, as time goes on, they will grow on their own time. If you're married to the right person, you will grow naturally. But the thing is also to just allow the things that make you different um, to mesh together well and to help you become more aligned, to help you grow into the person you are meant to become. Now, for the fun part of how we met. So... It's so funny. I mean, God's plans are always bigger, always better than what you dream of, what you imagine. So this was 2014, and there's a friend of ours, actually. We have mutual friends. And there's a friend of mine who I met through Operation Crossroads Africa. At the time that I was going to Ghana, she ended up going to the Gambia to volunteer for two months in the summer. And we all get to meet, even if we weren't traveling to the same country together, we all got to meet at orientation in New York. And our Operation Crossroads Africa is like the progenitor to the Peace Corps, the short version of the Peace Corps. So we all just kind of met together, then we were dispersed into our uh, country. And then we got in touch after um, we each came back. Um, thank goodness for Facebook. We got back in touch through Facebook. And um, this was before I even moved to the Washington, D.C. area. So we were still in touch while I was still living in Florida. And by the time I did end up moving to the D.C. area, we got to see each other a lot more because she lived in Richmond, Virginia. And... She bragged so much about the Gambia. She loved the Gambia so much to the point where I was like, okay, well, one day I want to go too. And I guess this would maybe fast forward two years. Um, I was able to finish up school. I was studying photography in D.C. and finished up school and then moved back home to Tennessee, which is when my parents decided to retire. And I sent her a message saying, okay, well, I have you know, some time on my hands, I have some money on my hands, I think I'm ready to go to the Gambia, can you help me, you know, with accommodation, with all of those things. And she ended up marrying a Gambian. Now, this is the Gambian that she met during her stay. So the the great thing about Crossroads Africa is because you're in a rural area, so you really get to interact with the locals. So she got to do just that, and there was one that just fell in love with her, and she fell in love with him. And so, long story short, they ended up getting married. Uh, so she ended up asking her husband, okay, my friend wants to go to the Gambia. How can you help her, you know, with all that? So little did I know that her husband would connect me with his best friend. I ended up getting a Facebook friend request from somebody. It was just, I knew he was West African. I'm like, oh, God, because I have had my, t- <laughs> I had my time of, you know, being in, in Ghana and having all these just just men just want to blow it out. All right, I want to marry you. I want to marry you. And I know deep inside of them, it's I want to marry you for a visa to come to America, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, okay, who is this guy? And because I saw that um, he was a mutual friend of our friend, a mutual friend of my friend from Crossroads Africa, Starlene. So then I was like, okay, who is this guy? And then she was like, oh, he's um he's my husband's best friend. And he was around, you know, he's very helpful during our trip in Crossroads. He's very helpful uh, during our wedding. So he's a nice guy. You should talk to him. 
but of course, be careful. She was like, just, of course, always be careful. So she was, she's always that um, down-to-earth person. Like, okay, I mean, just, he's a nice guy, but, you know, just take it like, tread lightly. So we connected first through Facebook and then communicated every day on Facebook. Initially, I didn't accept him. Now, he sent me the friend request, but I just kind of let it hang hang there for a little bit. And then one day, I don't know what it was. I was, I was just, I was at home at my parents' house, and I just... I saw it again, and I decided to accept it. And then as soon as I accepted it, we communicated, like, every day. And we eventually Skyped. I don't remember how how long it took us to Skype, but it wasn't until our first Skype call that I thought, once I saw him and saw, you know, his handsome smile, and I was like, there's something different about him. Like, I think he could be the one. But he knew immediately. Uh, He knew immediately, but I knew also it was different for us because... Again, like I said, men uh, have easily said, oh, I want to marry you, I want to marry you, I want to marry you. But I'm like, I just knew that when he, the way he said it, it was different. He's genuine about it. So honestly, I don't know. I was literally just kind of play, trying to play it tough. And we, you know, kept in touch. And then I, I feel like I, you know, told him for the first time, like, okay, well, I'm coming to the Gambia. But I think as the years go by and as I think about it, I really think his best friend was trying to be a matchmaker. <laughs> so he knew that he he knew that I was going to the Gambia and you know just kind of played along with it. But anyways, about we communicated for about 3 months before we met in person. So we often use, you know, technology. We use Facebook Messenger, we use Skype. I don't remember if we used WhatsApp at that time probably. But yeah, so we communicated for about 3 months and once I arrived in the Gambia, um I'll never forget. I he worked at the airport, so he was able to literally be there on the runway to meet me as soon as I got off the plane. He says he didn't see me first, but I saw him. I would I intentionally was looking for him at the top of the plane because he did tell me that he would be there. And I saw him as at the top of the plane and I don't know, I kinda acted shy. I guess we both did. And um yeah, it was just a memorable day of he literally picked me up from the airport. He had his friend pick me up from the airport. So I got to meet his friends on the first day. And that next, well, I stayed with his family, his sister. It was him him and his family who really took me in and took me to all the places I wanted to visit to. Because my intention, because I knew I wanted to go to the Gamba before I even met uh, my husband. So my intention was, okay, I want to go to the Gamba. I want to photograph. I want to maybe teach. So I had all these plans. And I told my husband it too. So he helped me to fulfill these plans. But little did I know that this trip ended up being a almost a personal discovery for me. I mean, we clicked the the first day we met. I met his family like the second day. And I just felt safe and I felt comfortable with him. And we knew how to have fun together, make each other laugh. And it was a, it was a bonus. Um, maybe the biggest thing of all was... The fact that he was a Muslim too. Now, the thing about our religion, Islam, is that men can marry a woman that is Christian. Sometimes they convert, sometimes they don't, but they don't have to. But when it comes to the woman, it's kind of required for the men to convert. But I have seen in my own friend's relationship that if they don't convert for their own personal reasons, that they just say they converted because I just want to marry her, it doesn't always work out that way because just a complete different life changing decision. So if you if if a man gonna convert for a woman, that it isn't always gonna work out. You gotta love the religion first. 
But anyway, it was a bonus for us that he was a Muslim. And it's a, the Gambia is a predominantly Muslim country. So that was a bonus. And I knew for sure that I wanted to marry a Muslim, even though I had my ups and downs uh, with practicing the faith. Um, because my parents converted and none of my family members are Muslim. It's just me, my mom, and my dad. So it gets hard sometimes. But I knew that was a bonus. I'm like, you know what? If anything, we have the same love for God. That's the most important thing. That had been the key thing to really keep us uh, going, you know, because I also feel like you never really know how strong you are until your strength is being tested. Now, for the engagement story, now, culturally, there really aren't exactly engagement periods or yet alone engagements at all. So um, I had... You know, my husband's word as soon as he said it, um, both in a Facebook message and again on Skype of he wants to marry me and he know he's going to marry me. But I I feel like it was still sweet of him to plan out a surprise um, of getting me a ring. He got me a ring. And um, the day that we got engaged, it was we had a bunch of fun activities that day. So that day we went monkey feeding. So in the Gambia, there's like this monkey park, and those monkeys are so greedy. <laughs> but it was so much fun, though. If I'm not mistaken, the same day, he was he's on a soccer team at his job at the airport, and they had a soccer game. So right after the um, engagement, they, they, they won. They won a championship game. But then he also took me to, we went to an alligator park. Um, so literally just like what it's sorry, not alligator, crocodile. It was a crocodile park. And just like it sounds, there's a bunch of there's a park with a bunch of crocodiles that don't move. <laughs> so, um, of course me being from Florida, I mean I'm used to something like that. So there's a photo of us of um he was afraid to touch him, but I literally somebody got a photo of us, me just kinda of grabbing his hand like, It's okay <laughs> So we went to an alleg a crocodile park and then we also just really spent time with his older sister. So she lives like near like the beach area in the Gambia. So we went to go um, spend time with her. Now we picked out the ring together. So I knew that it was happening soon, but it was just, I didn't know the day that it was going to happen. I didn't know until we got to his sister's house that that's the day it was, ha was going to happen. Now he had one of his best friends um, kind of with us all day, every day that day too, which was kind of different from the other days. So I knew something was going on. So then, you know, it happened. I mean, he just, he, we had a video recording of, of him just basically actually putting the ring on me. Now I had to carry, I was carrying the ring in my purse the whole time. Like, I don't know. I don't know why. As soon as he got the ring, he was like, okay, just keep it in your purse. Don't touch it. Keep it in your purse and don't touch it. So, um, then, you know, the day he was like, okay, take the ring out, give me the ring. I was like, oh, it's happening. <laughs> so that was, um, I believe exactly five years to the release of this podcast. But yeah, um, that was great. And so again, there, there is no such thing as, a, um, much of an engagement period in our, in our, you know, religious culture. So we did, um, you know, post it on social media obviously after you know we have told my parents we have told our close friends and then we did eventually you know post it on facebook and it was so amazing it was nothing but love <laughs> everybody was like yes so then you know we got married like two weeks later we got married um about almost toward the end of my one month stay i stayed in the gami for about a month 
and toward the end of my one month stay, we got married at a courthouse, and um, it was beautiful. I had a uh, customized dress. It was white and blue, and we were matching um, African style, and it was nice and intimate. See, I always thought I, would, I wanted to have a big 100 people plus wedding, and I still do in a way. I mean, I kind of want a vow renewal where I can have like more of my people come together, but at the same time, for that elopement, I would say, it was small and intimate. You know, it was perfect for us because we're both kind of like intimate people. So we don't want the whole shebang. So it, it worked out that way. But the hard part was, yes, my it was hard at first because my husband is a West African immigrant. And because he only really met my parents through Skype once, that wasn't enough for them to feel certain that I'm making the right decision. <laughs> um so that was hard at first, you know, because at first I did not necessarily have my parents' full support. So that was hard at first. Now, my mom was more understanding because she had been married, I think my dad was her third marriage. So she had been married also to a West African before. So um, in a way, she was more understanding um, of elopements of just simply, you know, getting married. But my dad, it, it kind of took him a little while until my dad was able to meet him in person to really, um, I guess, forgive. Because I'm like his youngest daughter, so I understand how he felt. He really wanted a part of that. But as the time went on, I kind of realized that it ended up being a, a almost a trend in the family that I just hap- so happened to almost follow. Like, all my siblings who are married, the parents were not there. <laughs> um, so, of course, it was not intentional because I didn't even realize that. And, and, you know, it just, I think the thing is of both my husband and I, we are strong about following God's time. Not necessarily our time, but more so God's time. But the good thing is that, I guess I could say we were able to make it up um, to them because as soon as my husband did arrive, we did have an Islamic ceremony. So my mom was there, my dad was there, they were there as witnesses. We had the imam or the, you know, minister, pastor, um, who knew me as a child. So he was the one who officiated it. So, um, you know, that was nice. And then we're supposed to have other witnesses. So the other witnesses were whoever was also at the master, because it was after the Friday prayer. So we had a couple of other witnesses. And um, they were male witnesses, but... At least they, they, they're married, so they were able to, you know, also give words of uh, marital advice. However, in attendance um, at the wedding was, you know, of course, my husband's friends and family. But as far as um, who was there for, I guess, my side of the friends and family, um, on the plane, I happened to travel at the same time as the group, that, the Operation Crosses Africa group that was volunteering in the Gambia that summer. So... Um, it was like, in a way, I was also there with the crossroaders. So I got to see them, uh, check in on them, help check in on them while they were volunteering in a different part of the Gambia. But I also invited them to our wedding. So I knew them and their group leader happened to be, you know, uh, my auntie, uh, the Jackie Kakembo that I got to interview in um episode three of Operation Crossroads Africa. So she happened to be the group leader that year and was able to be at the wedding. So, um, you know, that was great. I was able to have someone that my parents knew 
um, you know, at the wedding. We barely had a honeymoon. It was kind of funny. I remember hubby saying, um, well, we went to Senegal. We went to Senegal, I think, a week or a few days before we got married because I wanted him to meet. I wanted to see Senegal. I wanted us to travel together because they say if you, um, when you travel together and you can survive a trip together, then you, you know you're, you're on a good path. You can survive, you know, a marriage. So I wanted us to travel together. I wanted to see, you know, how, how well or don't well we do. And, you know, we traveled together just fine. And he ended up meeting some of, um, well, one of my mom's friends, who is Senegalese, who was in America for a while and ended up going back to Senegal. And then one of my dad's friends, who is an American, but lived in Senegal for a while um, because he was doing missionary trips. So he got to meet both a friend of my mom and a friend of my dad. So I feel like, in a way, he did meet my parents through meeting them. So, but of course, my husband was like, we should be taking a trip after we get married. We can be like a honeymoon. <laughs> so in a way, he's right, because now I feel like I don't know if we ever actually did take a honeymoon. We took a trip before we got married, but then we literally only had about a week, maybe not even a week, together after we got married. So I feel like it wasn't until he arrived to the U.S. that we took, you know, a few, we got to travel together a little bit. We got to go to a few uh, U.S. cities together, such as Atlanta, um, which is like a, a hub of many Gambians. Uh, we went to Richmond so we can both see our mutual friend that we haven't seen in years. Um, he went with me to my dad's side of family, family reunion when we had it in Ohio. So we've been to Ohio. We've been to Florida together for my doctor appointments in Fort Lauderdale, as well as to Tampa, Florida for my best friend's wedding. We came to the Nashville area together before we moved to the area. So we were living, I'm so grateful for my parents because it was also able to help him with ease as far as getting used to the um, U.S. because a long distance in any relationship is hard, but it's even harder with um, a spouse that you have and you have to go through the immigration process with. My parents allowed us to stay with them for a little while until we got ourselves kind of on our feet and also made it easier for him to settle into the U.S. because it's so easy for many um, families or even just people who come here to the U.S., they come here by themselves and they don't know anything, don't know anyone. So, you know, he was blessed to have family, you know, to be able to help him learn how to drive, help him learn learn about the food and, and practice his language a little bit more and get a new job and all the tough stuff that we take advantage of. You know, we forget about that. We're so used to all these things being done for us that we forget that it's almost as if a baby taking the first step again. You know, they literally have to start all over. I kind of wish we did have more time together, but at the same time, you know, our journey is meant to be as it is. So we really had a whole year apart um, due to the immigration process. So we didn't actually, I, sometimes even though we have been legally married five years, Sometimes I reduce it a year because we weren't living together for that first year of marriage. But we are finally done with the immigration process after about five years altogether. I joke that when you marry an immigrant, you're basically marrying the U.S. government because of how long you're involved with the government, how much money you have to send to the government 
and how much information, how much privacy is invaded because you have to prove your marriage to the government because of the world of scams. But yeah, so the immigration process can be long, can be financially draining, can be emotionally draining. But the most important thing was that it didn't matter where he's from. It's just we shared the same moral values. We shared the same faith. And we shared, you know, a love for each other, you know, that is growing by the day. And again, you never really know how strong you are until you really have, you're down to the wire of, of making that life-changing decision. Well, this was a long episode, but it goes to show how, you know, how much I love my husband and how in love I still am. And yeah, I mean, I hope you were able to learn a lot. You know, I wasn't just sharing my story just so you can know my story just to be nosy, <laughs> but I hope you did learn a lot. Patience, communication, respect, not to lose yourself, and that there are seasons in a marriage. And, you know, marriage is a beautiful thing. So uh, if you're not married, I hope you do get married. If you're still married, I hope you stay married. Did I miss anything? Are you married and you have other tips you want to share? Leave them in a comment and a review so others can see them and I will see them too. Thank you for listening to the Living Legacy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, follow, and download so you don't miss the next episode. If you want to learn more, you can visit ZakiraNayar.com. That's Z-A-A-K-I-R-A-H-N-A-Y-Y-A-R.com.